0: Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Rana McBertow, his host. Thank you so kindly for being a part of the show. Welcome aboard, Jeannie Wallace-Seglins. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, Kathleen Karachi. Welcome to the show, Deb Denny. Welcome to the show, AVQ, Michael Rudnan. Love to have you here. Paul Fleming was the first one on the, on the line. First one on the line. He says, Atlanta checking in. At ATL checking in. Insulin going up. Checking in. Of course, that is Tank28 and a lot of the other names that he used, but it's okay. We love everybody who comes and visits us here because we have a lot to talk about. Anyhow, let me tell you something. To all my listeners, first of all, I want to ask you a big favor. Please go ahead and share this on your thread, on your, on your, everywhere that you can right now, on your wall, on your, on your, just do a share to so other people can see it, tweet it, whatever. And the reason why we need to do this, is we need to get this information out. We're going to have a great show for you. Oi, it's going to be a beautiful show for you today. Um, But before I start, I, I so want people to hear what I'm saying. Uh, if you take a look at what, uh, the, what I said, you know, well, what the show, I, I kind of put this on the screen when I just started, right? That said... The Texas catastrophe is conservatism. I mean, conservatism as practiced in Texas. It's time to end it. How? Join us. I really mean that. And in the process of saying that, I, I kind of held back myself a bit, and I said, "You know, there are a lot of I got a lot of conservative friends. What are they going to think when they hear me say that that particular ideology is killing us, as implemented? That's what it's doing. It's killing us." A few days ago, I did that piece called. Strike three, in which I said, Our Republican government has struck us three times, and the three times that it has struck us, it has cost lives, it has killed people, it has killed not dozens, not hundreds, thousands of people. Our Texas conservatism is killing, just like I've spoken about all of us being antiseptic slaves because of a new type of slavery instituted in the way the corporatocracy work, it is also a part of this system, what's happening, that's doing this damage. And I really want, I so want people to get it. I so want people to get that I'm not coming at anybody personally. I so want people to get to understand that what I'm coming at is that an ideology that is killing your brothers, that is killing your sisters, that is killing your family, that is killing your sons, your daughters, everybody. And it's hurting people. We're allowing these folks to control our minds in such a manner that it hurts us. It causes us to make when you have when you have a governor that is confident enough to know that he can tell a large percentage of his people anything and as long as he tag those people on the left want us to have windmills and it's the windmills that cause this problem and many believe it the fact that we are there tells you something the fact they can lie to you a completely. Knowing that there's a segment of the population that will believe you is bad. And insulin going up. You won. You sound different. Defi- no, no, no. I have not won. For all those who say, oh, Democrats won. This is not about Democrat and Republican. No, we have not won. Like I've told many people, 50 plus 1 is not a win. Even eighty-one. My problem, right? Look, I understand my eighty-one million people that voted for Biden and why they did that. That those I know who I know who they are. I understand them. I know why they did what they did. But you see, to just say that I understand those people mean I, I don't care for the rest, and I do. I genuinely do. And the problem is, I have to figure out, we have to figure out what exactly happened in the psyche of the 74 million people who decided that it was okay to vote for somebody who locked people in cages, somebody who they know intrinsically lies to them continuously, somebody who has gotten many of their fellow Americans killed with the coronavirus by stating in February, hey, I know this stuff is really, really bad, and it's it's nasty, it's bad, he tells everybody that. And at the same time, he comes out and he says, hey, we are turning the corner, and people know he's lying, but they still stick with him. What is it in the mind, in the psyche? And I don't want to hear a lot of my friends are going to say, those are just a bunch of racists. No, 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 no. I have relatives, black and white and Latinos, that support him. We have to figure these things out from a scientific point of view, from a psychological point of view. It's a must. You know, I can, I can jump up and down and say, those people are stupid, those no, it's No, that's not how you solve a problem. I'm an engineer by training. I like to know things a particular way, okay? So anyhow, that is my rant to start the show today. That is my rant. I want to know, but I want you guys to share this stuff. I want you guys, all, our programs, to share it after we're done so other people can see it. You know, um, right now we're averaging on this particular, on on Facebook, about 2,500, I think, people that sees the show. I want to get that up to over 25,000 soon so that that can reach a certain level of critical mass. But anyhow, anyhow, let's get busy. What is the program about today? We have a great program for you. We always try to have a good program for you today. So let me go ahead and get that on the screen let you know what we're all about today. Today, our program is Texans. Texas Republicans lied and fled while Democrats, local and national, aided. Yvette Avery proves labor laws needed. So uh, after we've gotten into the show, uh, I saw a message from a friend of mine. Uh, she's an activist, Yvette. And Yvette got fired from United because, again, she was trying to unionize folks. So they found a technicality to fire her on. And after she was fired, she sued and it's been going on for two years. And finally, the lawyers threw their hands up in the air and say, we can go against United. I mean, against, uh, against Delta. So she's going to come and tell her story and we're going to talk about why labor, uh, labor has to get laws changed. But beforehand, let me start with my first video. Dana, check this out. I almost passed out. CNN's uh, Dana Bash Gave it to Texas Representative Michael McCall today. I mean, she really called out the hypocrisy of conservatism, the hypocrisy of Texas Republicans in a not-so-subtle way that normally gets done. Check this out, and then we'll take it on the other side.
1: No, I'm sure some Texans are seeing outrageous energy bills because their rates are tied to the energy market. People are having to empty their life savings in order to pay these bills in the thousands uh, and even more. Are you going to be able to fix that?
2: Well, we're helpful with this emergency uh, disaster declaration. Uh, that only not only provides FEMA. Uh, we got that uh, uh, earlier with an emergency declaration. But a disaster declaration brings in the federal assistance uh, from the federal government. And that's what uh, Texans need right now so desperately. A lot of people are hurting right now. Um, you know, people have died. You know, I, I had two nursing homes, assisted living that were without power, a hospital without power that we were able in an emergency basis to get power to them. Can you imagine? Mm. Uh, the death toll could have been much higher. Uh, but. Through talking to my constituents and.
1: But I assume you're going to do something to help people pay those bills. Are you saying you'll use the disaster relief funding from the federal government? Yes.
2: Yeah, that, that's the, uh, the current plans with, with the federal assistance, be able to help uh, the homeowners both repair because we have so- a lot of water leaks, a lot of water damage, yeah. uh, pipes bursting, but also uh, their electricity bills as well.
1: Well, uh, let's talk about the criticism and there's a lot of it It's some downright anger. Republican leaders in your state, whether it's your governor, Abbott, for his handling of the storm, for Senator Ted Cruz, for his decision to go on a family vacation to Cancun. Meanwhile, you're seeing high-profile pro- Democrats, or O'Rourke, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who lives in <coughs> New York, uh, organizing phone banks, distributing supplies, raising millions of dollars for Texans in need. Just on the raw politics of this, does that split-screen worry you?
2: I think it's great that... Uh... AOC and Beto are crossing party lines. Yeah, but what about the other this side of that not,
1: equa- equation?
2: I think we need to be helping as well, and we will with the federal emergency uh, declaration that we got from the president. Uh, but I think it's great that they're crossing party lines to help Americans first and not just Republicans or Democrats. And I think that's, you know, the way it really should be.
1: I have to say real quickly, um, hearing you say that the federal government is going to help to bail out uh, and to pay bills on a state which is in part in this mess because it wants to be separate from the federal government is kind of rich.
0: It sure as hell kind of rich. In other words, we don't want to be on the national grid because we don't want the federal government telling us how to control things. We want to be deregulated. We want We want no regulations. Okay, fine. But now the the results of having no regulations the results of being go, of going alone and what do they want now Oh, we want the federal government. Oh, please, Joe Biden, declare us a disaster area and start pouring in the money that we need to survive, even though we didn't want to send money to Washington for regulation, even though we didn't want any of those things. But you know what else comes out here? It comes out as well that these people don't care a damn about their own constituents. It's not just about uh, Ted Cruz going off to Cancun. It's about what these folks are doing in the interim during this crisis. We have uh, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez coming in from uh, New York, having used her persona to raise $4 million. We have um, uh, Beto O'Rourke going around the state trying to get something done. We have Sheila Jackson Lee making sure she's staying put and taking care of business. You see the progressives. You see the Democrats actually on the ground saying we got to go ahead and do this and using their personas wherever it is necessary to get something done. But then we have the governor lying and talking about, oh, it's the windmills, which is a complete lie. uh, It's the failure of not taking what the the federal government had suggested that they do, given that they, they couldn't control them, to say weatherize your equipment. After what occurred in 2011, it's going to happen again. But what do they do? They sit down, they lie. lie does not, lying does not solve problems, and we hope that Americans in the long run, Texans in the long run, would realize that they, these, this particular government, this Republican government in Texas, is a clear and present danger. Like I wrote about three, three, uh, a couple of blogs ago, they've completed their third strike by allowing the grid to fail. The second strike... One of the second strikes that they had was how they handled the coronavirus, causing the coronavirus to explode in Texas. Their first strike, what I consider their first strike, is allowing many, many thousands of Texans to die by not accepting the Medicaid uh, expansion to the Affordable Care Act, even though for the, three, the first three years it cost them zero and thereafter 10%. Again, it is a... It is a government run by people who don't believe in government, but who want government. You know, the welfare mentality, projection, one of the things that we have this party doing a whole lot is projection. They like to project that somehow Democrats are the welfare people they want. They believe in welfare. They're always asking for welfare, getting something for nothing. And when we speak about this being projection, it is projection because what is Texas doing? Texas is saying, we don't want to be a part of the federal government. We don't want to pay into the federal government, but when we need help, we want welfare from you guys. We want disaster aids. We want all these types of aids. Projection. They're the ones who don't want to provide. They're the ones who don't want to give, but when they're in dire straits, they're saying, please, my hands out. Please, help me. Projection. When they're in dire straits, they beg. Otherwise, they're selfish. Otherwise, they're selfish. And you know, le- let me tell you something that a lot of I don't hear the media talking a, a whole lot about. That I really want to get across because I think this is important. There's something here. Uh, right now, Texans are in Texas. Texans are in trouble. That that is a reality. That is a reality. Uh, let me tell you what's going on. And this this is this is very serious. Here's the deal. If you take a look at what's gonna happen, right? Take a look at what's going to happen. We are asking for emergency aid. We are not only asking for emergency aid, but we are saying, you know, a lot of Texans have taken a huge bill. Their electric bill is huge. Some $16,000, $17,000 for a week or so. And then you have to ask yourself, wait a minute. um, why uh, Why will we take emergency money? Okay, why will we take emergency money to pay for these people's bills? As the guy just told Michael McCall, uh, McCall just told uh, Dana, why would we take that bill and pay it? Here's what they're saying I want you to see the calculation when I talk about who actually gets hands out, handouts. Texas does not want to be on the grid because they want deregulated markets. They stay off the grid. And the reason that works is as follows. If you have commerce between two states, you have the federal government involved. Because at that point, it is regulated by the federal government because it's not the laws of one state. So that's just how the laws are written. But if you don't want any government to control what you're doing, the the federal government. You keep it all within your state, centralized, and that's why the grid in Texas is centralized and just in Texas. Now, what happens? So, they make the rules, and the kind of rules they make are kind of arcane, right? Those people that are paying that bill, they they created a a process in which they, they claim unregulated. They have power generation, they have power transmission, and then they have those who bill for power. So, if you take a look at... Your bill. You may let's say you're in Houston, Texas. You could get you, the same power lines are distributing energy for either uh, if you are with Centex, if you are with whatever the name Gentrix, whatever the name of the power company is. It's it's just a bill coming to you, but the lines are the same. It's just a financial thing. You have the power generators throwing stuff onto the grid. And you have the guys who market it pulling it off the grid or, or or calculating it off the grid. And then you have the electrical companies that run that, that particularly run that grid plugging it up into your home. It's a racket, it's a racket inefficiency. In because you have all these people involved that don't need to be involved. But that's what that's what they want because they want a laissez-faire market so that they can screw whom? You. Now they have all these things to let you look like you're getting cheap. Energy, right? But when there are spikes, you pay, and that is for people who don't have a contract. Like I have a contract on my electricity. Most people get a contract when they get it. I, I'm paying six point eight cents per minute, or I mean per per kilowatt hour, etc. But these people wanted even lower prices, so they said, "Okay, we'll allow our our bill to float with whatever the prices are on the market." And the prices float based on the scarcity or not of electricity. So when you have a scarcity of electricity, the price goes up. It went from <laughs> this is funny. under $50 a kilowatt a megawatt a megawatt or, to $9,000. So that person ended up paying for that small amount of time a whole lot of money for the electricity that they were getting. And they're stuck with it. Now these Congress people, the people who want to create the, the uh, 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 independent Texas, want to say, okay, we need to give, we, don't, we want those people to vote for us again. So we don't want to hold them to that they have to pay those $16,000 uh, electric bills. So what are we going to do? We're going to ask for a handout from the federal government. So we want all of you taxpayers in order to support a conservative-type ideology in Texas by paying the bills of people who got conned into the policy that they have. What they should be saying is the people who should be taking the loss are the power companies. They are the ones who wanted a deregulated market. Now that we see a deregulated market does not work, why do we want all the, 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 the taxpayers of America to bail them out? Is what we're asking to do. Bail them out. No, we're not going to bail them out. Okay? Because what we're saying then is all those for-profit companies, they're the ones who get the money. When that that bill that used to be $200 is now $16,000, who makes the profit on that $16,000? Please tell me. Who makes the profit on that $16,000? That's a transfer of wealth. From the American people to the rich people who own the power generation companies that are getting the $16,000. So they win at every end of the game. They don't invest in weatherizing their equipment. And when they don't invest in weatherizing their equipment and, and based on supply, they have to charge so much more for electricity. Then... They're asking us to make the people who can't afford electricity that they can't provide, they're asking us to pay their bill. And then who reaps the profit from the bill that we pay? The same companies that didn't do their job. So they make more money for failing. And Rudnan is right when he says that uh, Jerry Jones Natural Gas Company hits the jackpot as Texas freezes, drives up prices. So the entire system, the conservative free market capitalist system for energy is a fraud. It's a thievery. Or rather, it's thievery. Because what it does is that, again, you they, you, they win on every single side. They, they win it. Well, Enron failed, didn't it? It finally c- collapsed on itself. Anyhow, let me play the other video, and then we'll take it on the other side. There was a time when and it's not too far ago, when uh, Republicans would go on mainstream media because they know that they wouldn't get a whole lot of pushback. They would say whatever they want to, or they would do things because they knew that the mainstream media would not cover them as harsh as they are deserving of because, you know, they play the uh, this side says this, the other side said this. Well, I think the mainstream media has seen that this kind of behavior draws a direct line to what we have now in America. The insurrection and those who follow QAnon and all these conspiracy theories not pushing back in time gives it some sort of plausibility for the feebled mind. And feeble-minded, and guess what? Uh, I think they may be starting to do a little bit more pushing. I want you to listen to this piece, and then we'll uh, take it on the other side. Because what's happening in Texas, uh, it's a catastrophe. But it's not only a... It's a man-made catastrophe, but specifically a Republican ideological following that actually created this problem. And... It is finally a time that these people are, are being asked to atone for it. Let's check, take a look at this and then we'll take it on the other side.
3: On the federal level, help is happening, but on the state level, a different story. Since this all began, Texas Governor Greg Abbott's story has changed several times. The story he tells depends on the network he's speaking to, like local news stations across Texas, where he called for an investigation into the Electric Reliability Council of Texas. That council manages the state's energy flow. He called on the council's leadership to resign. But then on Fox News, the governor pointed his finger elsewhere, somehow drawing a line to connect his state's power failures on renewable energy and the Green New Deal, which is still a proposal, not a law.
2: This
1: shows how the Green New Deal would be a deadly deal for the United States of America. Texas is blessed with multiple sources of energy, such as uh, natural gas and oil uh, and nuclear, as as well as uh, solar and wind. Our wind and our solar got shut down, and and they were uh, collectively more than 10 percent of our power grid.
3: What you just heard is a blatant mischaracterization. The president of the Electric Reliability Council of Texas says multiple energy sources failed during the storm, from wind and solar to coal and gas plants. Experts have been warning for years this type of power failure could happen, but say leaders across Texas failed to take action, leaving the state with a standalone grid highly vulnerable to extreme weather. It's a split-screen reality of what leadership can look like in a time of crisis. On one hand, you have mixed messaging from the governor and a state senator who abandons his constituents by heading to Cancun during his state's greatest hour of need. While elected officials inside and outside Texas, like Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Sylvia Garcia, Sheila Jackson Lee, are heading in to help.
0: Now, what is perfect about that is normally the media would do on this side we have this, on that side we have this. But the side, it, it was what- did by running away, by fleeing Texas and heading to Mexico while his constituents froze and his constituents died, and he escaped. The guy who is supposed to represent the entire Texas, he left the state. We have a governor that assumes he, he, he thinks his people are not very smart to say, Oh, the windmills, even though the windmills overperformed based on what was expected. Somehow, he comes out and he looks straight into that camera and he lies to his constituents. It's the Green New Deal that's not implemented. It's using renewable energy. That is really what we need to do. He lies to his constituents. This should disqualify both Ted Cruz and Greg Abbott from ever holding office in Texas again. Their policies are responsible for the deaths of many Texans, not only with this uh, catastrophe with the Texas Electric Grill, but also with the Medicaid expansion to the Affordable Care Act that they didn't take that caused the deaths of thousands of Texans and the death of thousands of Texans because of their mishandling of the COVID-19 epidemic. Folks, we need Good governance. And you cannot expect good governance from those people who don't believe in government. You get good governance from people who believe government works, for people who believe government is we the people, for those who believe that together we can do something, drawing wedges in between people to have them at each other's throats. Real leadership is What you saw with those three women here in Houston, uh, AOC Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, Sheila Jackson Lee, and Sylvia Garcia, they're out there working their constituents as Ted Cruz flee and Greg Abbott lies. Absolutamente, see, absolutely, anyhow, folks. Um we are at the half, oh, a little past the halfway mark. So anyhow, that is time for me to say, hey, folks, please, if you are on YouTube right now, please consider becoming one of our supporters by clicking on that Join button. And that's called our PDR passing name by Bridge MCP, who is the leader in our PDR Posse. Uh, just click on that, click on that uh, join button, and become a member, and you'll get your little tag, all that good stuff. If you're not on YouTube right now, if you are on, let's say, Facebook or Twitch or whatever, you can still become a part of the YouTube Posse by going to politicsunderright.com/slash/youtube, politicsunderright.com/slash/youtube. If you are uh, seeing that book on the screen right now, it's called "It's Worth It: How to Talk to Your Right Wing." Our relatives friends and neighbors go ahead and get that book please it's it help us support the, the the mission and it's a good read on how to deal with right some of your right-wing relatives and there is a, a there is the well I, I think i didn't put the link up there is the link for it there's the amazon link but if you want to cut out the middleman you can come and you can get it directly from us at our store which is at politicsandright.com slash store politicsandright.com slash store of course you can also support us by becoming a patron we love our patrons that is uh, go ahead and go to politicsandright.com slash p-a-t-r-e-o-n not working can't but enjoy watching oh you you, did you try to go to our join button and it wasn't able to do it what's the reason drop me a line so I can uh, see if I can help you because we get people you know quite often so Uh, Just click the join if you can, but anyhow, if you want to become a patron, politicsonright.com slash patron. Patron is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, and of course, we accept PayPal as well. You can uh, support us via PayPal by just going to politicsonright.com slash PayPal, politicsonright.com slash PayPal. Oh, I'm sorry about that, Dev. No, 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 no. I, I misunderstood what you're saying. Keep watching. Keep watching And sharing, that's what it's all about, my friend. Look, uh, you only support if you can. You only support if you can. What we have to do is change this world. We have to start working on projects like uh, basic income. Uh, We we need to make sure we have basic income and support, all that kind of stuff. In fact, I interviewed today the guy who who wrote the book on uh, – it it has an interesting name, something with poorly whatever – you guys are going to love that interview that we had with Dr. Mark Megan. I think it's his name. You're, you guys are going to love that interview. I'll either play it tomorrow or the day after. I'm not sure which one we're going to do yet. But you're going to check, check that out and do it. But anyhow, check out the book. It's Worth It, How to Talk to Your Right-Wing Relatives, Friends, and Neighbors. Anyhow, our, cup, our new cup put out by our PDR Posse's leader, Bridge MCP. And that's the cup there, and I'm going to put it on the screen right now. That's the cup that's going on the screen. And my friend who just sent me a little note, uh, texted me and Hey, Alberto, como estas? And that's Norman drinking from the, truck, tr- uh, from the t- cup. I'm still waiting for folks to send me their pictures. I'm still waiting for folks to send me their pictures. But anyhow, let's go ahead and get busy and listen to Yvette Avery. Yvette Avery is one of my heroes. Yvette goes out there and she puts her she puts her actions where her mouth is. And that's the kind of folk I like. In other words, she's out there. just like and you know even during this pandemic, she was out there. I I'm too old for that, but I'll be going out there as soon as this pandemic gives us a better chance. I, my v- second vaccination come in, we'll be able to do some more stuff on the road, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But anyhow, let's get busy and listen to uh, Mademoiselle Yvette. Welcome to another edition of Politics Done Right. Look, I have a very special guest, a woman that has impressed me for all the work that she does, work that's needed in this country. Look, Evette Avery is a working mother providing for her family. She has been a Teamsters union steward at UPS, as well as an activist for workers rights for several years. She has been working on the most extensive and effective organizing campaign with the IAM to get union representation for Delta, ramp and cargo workers. Delta, recent, not recently, but a couple years ago, uh, released her after seven years in a most undeserving manner. She has been fighting this for two years. But now there is a change that illustrates why workers must seek changes in the law and not just corporate platitudes. So let's get started. Welcome to Politics Done Right. Yvette, how are you doing today?
4: I'm great. It's good to be back. Thank you for having
0: me on. Let me tell you, first of all, I, it, the thank you should go the other way. Thank you for what you are doing because you are making a difference for people who need someone out there making a difference for them. So for that, we are indebted to you. I have a couple of questions for you. Okay. Um, first of all, for the audience who uh, needs a refresher, tell us a little bit about what happened to you with what company, et cetera.
4: Well, back in twenty. 20- 18, uh, Delta Airlines came to me and gave me an ultimatum basically to choose between my two jobs, one at UPS and with them at Delta, saying that all of a sudden, after seven years, it was a conflict of interest. But of course, uh, me trying to provide for my family, I was not trying to give up either job. I needed to work both jobs to make you know one job when one should be enough. But they gave me an ultimatum. Ultimately, I told them I want to keep both jobs, and I was terminated on the fifth of February in 2019.
0: Now they term- your neither job influenced the other. Is that correct?
4: No, I mean there were several,
0: and to this day, several people that work both jobs, but they and weren't at both, both the same companies. Correct. Same companies, yes. So when you got released, what did you do?
4: I, I began to fight. I was already fighting for union, unionization for uh, the cargo and ramp workers, as you mentioned previously, but I continued that fight. But at that point, I then started my campaign, uh, hashtag stand with Yvette to
0: fight for my job back, to restore my, my job. But uh, the, the likelihood was that the reason they uh, they fired you was because you were actually activating other workers. Is that right? That's correct. I used to wear my
4: union pin at the gates every day, uh, handed out flyers. I was involved in different uh, events that we had trying to organize. So very visible and very outspoken regarding
0: unionization. And that was with what company again? Delta Airlines. Now tell me a little bit about uh, the environment there with respect to workers, because I, I want to I want to build what I'm going to say first off.
4: Well, we have what they have, the pilots, which are unionized. Uh, then the rest of the workforce, the flight attendants are not gate agents. As I were, as I was, was not uh, cargo and ramp. No one else but the pilots, and they did a great job of, you know, separating employees, making people think, you know, pilots were the best. Then comes the flight attendants and gate agents, and kind of, you know, put down or make people feel less than if they were not as they consider above wing versus below wing, which I thought was a, you know, a, a horrible thing to do but the company did it very well
0: also you said wait let me let me stop you there you said they kind of name it above wing and beyond below wing in sort of a a, a, and that had more connotations than just a below the wing it actually means lesser
4: correct correct and people unfortunately in the company that felt like you know people below wing were less than but their work was pertinent to what we had to do. Everybody played their part and everybody is important in you know getting the job done. So for me, you know, coming from below wings to above wing, I feel like, hey, we are the decision that we're in.
0: Now, I, I, I wanna stop there and I, I want to give our audience a narrative here. This is why we have this type of programming. What Yvette just said is extraordinarily important. Listen to what she said, above wing, below wing. Could that pilot fly the plane without those guys who put the luggage into the hole? Could they have a business without those who are fueling the plane? Could they have a business? Could they make money? This is what happens. I had Dr. Richard uh, Wolf on, and we discussed corporations, and we discussed those issues about trying to uh, put people in different spots. Yes, that pilot had to work a little bit harder than the guy that is uh, packing the luggage, but they are all codependent for there to be a successful corporation. So they are just as important as Thank the pilot, even if the pilot w- gets a better wage, because again, he invested more in his piloting understood, but they all make the business continue. Please. If I just wanted to make that narrative for a lot of people who tend not to be- understand that everybody matters.
4: Right, so for you know the ones who were not unionized, so we were all trying to fight together. the flight attendants had their separate campaign of trying to organize as well, but of course, like I said, being out there, trying to get it done was a reason to get me out of the way, uh, and I believe that was the basis of my termination with Delta
0: now, uh since then, you've done a lot because I've watched you. Uh, since then, you've been all over the place with workers. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you did? And I want you to tell it in a way that empower others that this is what has to get done if we are going to really have workers right. It'll make the $15 an hour thing more uh, more, more important to the politicians than they think it is.
4: Well, yeah, since the termination, of course, I did travel to different places to speak to several different other you know delta employees as well as people in the community speaking on what was going on inside the corporation and that my situation was not uh singular you know we've had other people other activists fired uh even subsequent to my termination other activists were you know chosen to be fired all throughout the country so just making everyone aware is something that i did uh helping you know through the iam even though i was a teamster i'm union. Regardless, I believe unions should be there for workers. Workers need those rights. They need to be able to speak out on the job, and especially coming from at-will state. I know how important it is to have that union contract when you're on a job.
0: So uh, People need to something- know, uh, sorry to interrupt, people need to know what at-will is because most people don't understand that. They think that is a good thing.
4: No. So at-will is basically right to hire, right to fire. So the company has a right to tell you, hey, We don't need you anymore. They don't have to give you a reason as long as it's supposed to be not illegal, which, you know, is very loose as far as what illegal is, but as long as it's not an illegal reason, they have the right to fire just like whenever they get ready from the employer. So that's the... um, Also, it's um, a right to work. But it's not. Right to work means that if it's a unionized company, that employees that are hired that do not have to join the union. They can work and receive all the benefits of the union, but don't have to pay union dues, which is something, you know, that's not really fair because people are fighting on their behalf, but they don't have to, you know, pay into that fight. So for me, like I said, going around the country, making people aware of the tactics that the company uses and what they can get away with because of the laws that are in place.
0: Well, you did a great job about that. I I was following your path all the times as you as you went place to place and as you made those uh, talks and empowered um, empowered people. Now, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you again is that I think after two years, the law firm had something very special to tell you. Yes,
4: after two years, they you know called me up and let me know that they were going to close my case. Um, the main law firm that I was dealing with used other litigators, you know, in order to take on some of their cases because there's so many different cases. So they use other attorneys. And so the other attorneys called me first and was like, oh, it's against Delta. Oh, well, we we're not going to you know, mess with that because we, we're not successful with them. And I thought, you know, my case is strong. And of course, we all, you know, everybody thinks the case is strong with all the evidence I had, but the laws basically worked against me. So the main law firm that I was dealing with, the guy called me himself and broke it down maybe over an hour and had a great conversation with the differences between the laws. I know some people may be familiar with the National Labor Relations Board Act Mm -hmm. uh, versus the Railway Labor Act. So Delta would fall up under the Railway Labor Act, which basically limits you know, your ability to do go against the company or to go after the company. Uh, if we were under a different act, then I would have a little more rights as an employee to be able to sue and go after them for wages that I've lost and things of that nature. So because of the law that I was covered under, it limited what I could do. And for them to go and spend the money to fight it even though, you know, it's a slim possibility, maybe it would have come out, right? But the type of wages I was looking for, uh, well, the type of money that would be recovered would be worth the cost of trying to get it done. And Delta, of course, would fight it to the end and keep on trying to make people spend more money um, because they have an unlimited, you know, fund source, even though now during the pandemic, it's it's changed a bit. Um, So, but still, they have a lot of power and uh, resource. So, that's basically what it, it it boiled down to be. The laws basically don't work for workers in the state.
0: Well, um, if it, this makes your job a lot more important because uh, now it's not about your case, it's about the case that covers workers. Periods and period. And and what's interesting is that uh, you you just made a distinction between the NLR what is it NLRB National Labor Resource Board and the railway which you can see what they did there right they they separate mm-hmm. them so that they could th- these very powerful companies don't really fall under the same law so it is incumbent on you and other activists to uh, to know the difference and make sure that that laws get changed both nationally and in each state to protect the the american workers is that right
4: that is very correct so we- we're now in. Hopefully, yes, we have different leadership, but we're going to have to hold the new leadership we have accountable to push uh, for a federal, you know, to get rid of right to work federally. Um, that would be great to help out workers all across the country immediately, and you know, something like that would make drastic changes. People would, they have no idea the changes that could come because of the power of the worker. Because we really. Are the ones that are the backbones of the company, without us, it would not work. you know they would not work, so people need to realize the value as workers and fight for that right and know how important it is to have something in writing that backs you you know when you're done wrong or you know injustice is there
0: no yeah we, we want workers to work all workers we want corporations to do their jobs they're they 're yeah. considered a human being themselves in the, in, right. in, in front of the law. Um, but what, what is still touching me and is still irking me, uh, again, is that thing that you just mentioned, above wing and below wing. And let me tell you why that touches me. One of the things that I preach all of the times is how our corporate structure, uh, our oligarchy, our plutocracy, what they do is they create separation among workers, among people. And the reason that they do that is, if if you are fighting with, if if the, and I'm going to use the terminology as painful as it is. If they have the below-wing workers fighting with the above-wing workers, and the above wings workers think they're a cut above the below-wing workers, they create a dissension between those two groups. So that they can fly above the fold. The corporation fly above the folds as the rest fight for crumbs. Uh, How can you as an activist get with the other unions that have been deemed above? How do you work to let them realize without you, they ain't got nothing?
4: Yeah, that's just very, um, putting it on a human and personal level. We just have to reach out to people where they are because you are a pilot you did come from somewhere and a lot of uh, people within the airline industry they have family members that maybe work below wing so they can be like okay yeah my son works down there or my daughter works here so yeah I I would love for them to have you know similar rights that we have as pilots so that's just simple conversations you know coming to them like hey you know you got to support the unionization process that's going on with your, you know, your fellow employees, with your, you know, flight attendants and with your below wing and cargo employees, just having those type of conversations and those things that I did do while I was at the gates, you know, letting folks know they'll see the pen like, hey, yeah, I'm glad you're doing that, you know, so just, you know, being visible, talking to them, having quick conversations can make a big difference when it comes to uh, unionization.
0: Yvette, that sentiment is how we close out because that is so important. You have to show the humanity in all of us and that we are all working for the same goal I, I love that and you know I, I talk about that a whole lot we have to stop allowing others to separate us we have to stop allowing others to create this false dissension that really isn't there between our humanities if you will so um, again uh, I ask this question to everybody so be prepared what would you have liked me to ask you that I didn't ask you?
4: <laughs> um, just a, a point of how the loophole worked when it came to Delta. Okay, It's a loophole that they have in their policy that they can make determinations on your employment on a case-by-case basis. So you signing all your early you know, employee paperwork, you basically agree to that whether you sign directly under that specific statement or not. You agree to it, therefore at will and out the door whenever they get ready for you to be
0: something. And I would imagine that uh, you don't sign that, you don't get the job. Of course not. You, and you, you're just not
4: getting a job. You're just getting all the paper. You're just signing away. You're happy you're getting employment. So people don't necessarily read every single thing or understand it at the time. So,
0: Yvette Avery, it's been my pleasure, as always, to speak with you. Thank you so kindly for what you do. Please keep doing the great work that you do. We need a lot more women out there like you, so thank you. All right, folks, I hope you enjoyed that. While I was uh, uh, going through that, was reading the thread, and I just want to uh, give my best to uh, Deb Denny. Let me tell you something, because... Uh, Deb then you put it in here, so I guess I can read it. It says, "I had to basically cash in my four hundred and one k. Fortunate that I had it. Lost job in twenty seventeen due to absences from multiple chronic illnesses. Uh, right to work at all state. Thanks for asking. I get by. That hurts the heart, and let me tell you why. Because I know where you're coming from. Uh, it is, it is a shame. It is a shame." that in a country that is this rich, in a country that considers itself compassionate, that if you are the unlucky one to get sick, you have to first annihilate every type of income, savings, worth, or anything that you have. That is pathetic. We can change that. That is what we aim for. A lot of people like to say, oh, oh, that's socialism. No, that's not socialism. Well, I don't even care if you call it socialism. But what I'm going to call it is humanity. That is humanity. The reason we create societies, folks, is don't let anybody fool you. And by the way, society look at the, the root of society. okay? But the reason we create these things, because we understand that together we can be much better than by ourselves. Together, grouping together, some will get sick and will need to be taken care of for some time. Some will be healthy most of the times, and they'll be able to generate most of our economy. And some will be, I mean, you create a society so that in, on, in the aggregate, we all live a comfortable life. And that this false individualism of conservatism teaches something else. And that religion has gravitated towards everything that every major religion speaks about. Proves so much that we are not going to discuss here at this point in time. But think about it. Society is all about us. It's all about us. Don't you ever, ever forget that. And when people want to call you a socialist, don't worry about names. Do we want basic income? Yes, do we want mothers and fathers who have kids and need to go to work and have to find a place to put their kids that they don't have to pay another mortgage to do that? Yes. Do we want to have the ability for all people who want to go to college to go to college? Yes. Do we want to ensure that every single American has the access, the access to do what they want? Yes, what kind of economic system you call that? A humane economic system. The current economic system that we have is legalized theft. It's legalized theft. I want you all to think about every one of you who is employed right now. If you're an employee right now, I want you to remember something trade schools that when I say educated Eric Hayes, I mean any form of education. Let's take care of it. let's make it an educated society. Any type of education it's yours. Right now we have legalized theft. Your excess labor, and I always use uh, remember the the the, the uh, interview I just played you guys with Richard Richard Wolf, economist Richard Wolf. Listen to me, people. This is very important for you to change your frame, change the way we think. We must change our frame of reference. We have been we have been indoctrinated into being nothing more than antiseptic slaves. All of us. Slaves used to look my color only. That was a semblance. If you could just look at this and say, oh, that's a slave. We are all now. And I, people don't get it. The fact that Bezos can have $160 plus billion, $200 billion while a lot of Americans suffer means that they are th- they are taking your wealth from you. And how do they do that? They do that because people, they're not paying you what you're worth. They're not giving you what you're worth. Eric says, I'm glad to, uh, for the job and feel blessed by that as I have to use for 1K or house payment, etc. But that is a learned lesson. No. Uh, no, Eric. that's a, uh, And I say this with kindness. Um, well, let me put this on me. I'm going to put this on me to explain. Because I don't want to uh, instantiate it onto somebody else. I want to watch my words here because I want to make sure and do it right. There are, when people are oppressed, they lived an oppressed mentality and they think that is a state of their mind. So if you look at women, if you look at black people, if you look at native people, you look at them in, in the condition that they're in and you like, why don't you just lift yourself up? There are opportunities for you there. If you don't have a strong system behind you, I was lucky. I had a very strong mother and father. I don't know how the hell they got that way. They went to Panama and they were like it, they were like strong. They used to tell us when we were growing up, You are better than nobody. But let me tell you this nobody is better than you are. So you better go out there and take it. Those are the kinds of things I heard in my home. And that is how I grew up believing those things. But most people in in the underclass, that's not what they heard. They understood that they had to work for somebody. They understood that they had to take what was given to them in the underclass. Black, Latino, even women. Women had to ask for permission to get a credit card. And that was placed in your mind and you believed that kind of stuff and you acted it out. To some extent, let me tell you something about folks in some black communities, you'd hear, I want to do X, Y, Z. And you'd have another person in the black community say, who does he think he is to think he can have the job that the white man has? It's It's something that's been indoctrinated into you that we have to, you know, a lot of people won't come out and say things like that. I say everything. You know, I talk, I say everything. Now, my goal with this program it's for everybody, because right now, I remember there's a, there's a there's an economist in England had a show, and he said white is the new black, and a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of black people got mad because they said they will never understand what we went through. We got whipped. We got we got our 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 everything was taken away from us, which is true. But I understood what that economist was saying. That economist was making it clear. That this economic system eats its own. It eats it eats what's easy to eat first. And then it eats the rest. And you know who the rest are? The rest is the majority of Americans. And that's where it's at now. That's why the income inequality now is so expansive. And then, you know, it's I like the numbers that they usually come out and say. They'll usually come out and say, Oh, you know. Uh, the, if you take a look at the disparity between white Americans and black Americans or white Americans and Latino Americans, and they showed us big disparity between white and the others, right? But guess what? Cut the 25% of the white richest out of there. And you see that kind of stuff go away. Yes, I'll read it after the show. You see, that goes away. We are all in the same boat, That's why we all have to work together. That is why we all have to forget about hating each other for silly reasons. I love you all. My lefties, my righties, my anarchists, my socialists, my communists, my republicans, my democrats, my progressives, my liberals, my right-wingers, my trumpists. Love you all. You know why? Because it's only when we get together and act together that we're going to make something change. Don't let this false war get to you. Don't let this false animosity about uh, about about. Uh, we are such a polarized society. We are polarized. But we are polarized because somebody else is pulling the strings. I got to get out of here. We are polarized because somebody else is pulling the string. And what we have to do is break the string. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. We'll continue tomorrow. I am what? I'm out.